Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of You Meet in a Tavern. We're ready for the next arc. Somebody give me the recap. Tug, you did it last time. So, Carl, Durf, team effort, what do you guys want to do? I vote for Durf because he had that awesome Christmas tree vibe going on. Yeah, okay. Durf, you're up. Sure. So, we kind of recovered from the fact that everybody died. All of our friends died, except for a few of them. Um, at the tower is where that happened. And um, let's see, what the fuck happened in that episode? We had to get rid of the bodies. Um, they were beginning to smell. They were all killed by um, sort of like transdimensional zombies um, or however we're describing them. And so... I cast, um, I believe it's called grow vegetation or grow plant growth. Plant, plant growth. growth, yeah, plant growth. Um, on it, on the the tree in the middle of the arcane tower, caused its roots to kind of subsume all of the all of the bodies into it, and its heart grew three sizes. And uh, we leveled up twice. We talked to Tess. She gave kind of a little speech about how we still got more work to do. Um, I summoned some puppies, which were not well received. (laughs) And um, God, what did she tell us? I I forget what exactly the next thing we need to do is. Maybe this is where Brian can take over. She (laughs) she said, put some respect on my name. I'm the Archmage now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> she uh yeah she did give you like general uh information about the next place she said it was some some city old city called shade that was in the middle of the ashen forest um, oh and we could take the willy wonka flight machine things correct you guys also have mounts so she, oh. i think she was more saying that was for the other people in the tower that were supposed to be spread out to all these cities to kind of like warn the people and hide them or, you know, fight against this, this evil that was growing. Um, so that's basically, basically for them. You also, uh, hung out with, uh, Nero and Hamlet and they gave you some new sweet stuff, which I meant to remind Kirk because (laughs) you, uh, had those, that, uh, necklace. Right? You, know, you know I didn't look up shit. Damn it. You didn't come up with the wizard spells? <laughs> come on. I figured you'd be so stoked you'd do it immediately. Well, I was stoked in the moment, and then, you know, the podcast ended, and uh, my brain went blank. <laughs> so uh, Okay, well, um, I guess, I don't know. You could think of it while I'm describing stuff in this episode. You might have to use them, so uh, just be thinking about that, and uh, definitely plan it for next time if if you don't use it in this episode but i will do that okay for show all right so yes the uh that was a good that was pretty good recap there for not listening to the episode and us recording so long ago but yeah you um (laughs) you had this funeral in the hall of knowledge where this tree kind of absorbed uh the dead people of the arcane tower the dead wizards and students of the arcane tower and as it absorbed this life force you saw the tree kind of come to life and it was this bright and shining moment in an otherwise very dark place um of this this crumbled arcane tower and the silence of of everything that just happened so after the funeral, you know, the the survivors are paying their respects to the tree um, when Tess kind of gathers everyone together and, and says it's ready to go. And you all make a, make your way up to the observatory, observatory with everybody in attendance. And you see Tess. She's moving from pod to pod, entering in coordinates to places like Hammer's Reach and Corby and Watcher's Crest and Ravenswood, all these places still uh, what we think are still untouched by the Dread King's reach. You see wizards that are collecting in small groups as they grip hands tight before stepping through these thresholds into these pods that explode out from the tower for the last time. Um, Do you guys want to do anything in this moment? you want to say any special goodbyes to anybody? You know, you have your whole kind of surviving gang there. Um, What do you want to do in this moment? Tug's going to go up to Nero and Hamlet and just kind of 
silently reaffirm the conversation we had from when they were totally just putted out on what they should have been doing as protectors of the tower. Just kind of like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like be better next time type uh, type of reaction to that. Right. And I think like after this whole, you know, several hours of kind of meeting these survivors and seeing, learning what actually went down in the tower and the funeral, it's kind of sparked their, their courage a little bit more. Is, is Alexa with Abby? Um, Alexa's actually with her parents. Her parents, um, she met her parents down in the lobby where uh, they had gotten separated and, um, you know, were reunited. So her parents are still alive. So she's with them currently. Oh, yeah. I forgot she had those parents. Good for her. Is Abby over there with them? Uh, Abby's over with Dozer, actually. Uh, They're about to enter into a, a separate pod. Okay. I'll let everybody do their own thing. I'll just go give Abby a meaningful pat on the shoulder. You know, All right. look him in the eyes. We get each other. Yeah. Yeah, he's like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. But that's all. Okay, that's sweet. That's a sweet moment. I don't wink and guns him. I was thinking about saying I wink and guns him, but I forgot that my fingers are deadly <laughs> weapons now. You take the ring off first. <laughs> uh, Carl, you want to do anything? I'm, Carl's just kind of milling around helping people get into the pods, uh, kind of keeping his distance from Tess. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's fine. All right. Um, so, uh, Durf, you know, Alexa's parents see you, and they give you this heartwarming hug and thanks, goodbye, um, thanks for basically saving their daughter and reuniting them. Um, and they step into the pod, and Alexa turns and smiles, the small tear falling down her eye as the doors shut close behind her. Um, Dozer and Abby nod silent farewells if they, as they take off towards the south. And like I said, Nero and Hamlet fly together, and they fly towards the west. And as the pods leave one by one with this magical flourish of light and they're shot off, the observatory becomes exposed to the cold night outside. These these openings in the wall where you can see the surrounding lake is still a mess of sludge from the dreadlings that couldn't make it past the Archmage's defenses. And Tess is finishing her rounds as the last of the pods leaves and approaches you and your mounts. And she says, I just, I just can't help feeling that I sent them off to their deaths, you know. But what else can we do? Not much. <laughs> I guess. This is an everybody fight now. It's not an hour fight. It's everybody's been pulled into this. We can't pretend. We can't pretend like other things are going to happen now. We all have to band together. And if some people die, you know, super shitty, I'm probably going to die in our group. Like, let's be honest. That's probably (laughs) going to happen. I have made amends with that. You know, we're going to perish and we just got to hope that we come out the other side, uh, you know, a little bit shinier than what we look like now, which is a bag of smashed assholes. So, you know, (laughs) science. She uh she says you're right you're right I, we have, <laughs> totally you're absolutely totally. right <laughs> nailed she it she says um she says we we have a task at hand ourselves we need two remaining totems and she pulls out the old the same old book and she says we're looking for a silken sash belonging to the sixth priest a man named Lucio. He lived in an old forest known as the Shade in the center of the Ashen Woods to the west. And according to this, it's not far inland from the coast of Euphoros. If we leave now, we can reach it by morning. Then let's, let's go, do it. Let's go reach that thing by morning. Now, I mean. All right. Carl, I'm curious. Like you said, you just because this is in my mind, you said you were keeping your distance from Tess. Yep. Is there any reason for that? Or are you just... Uh, the, the dynamic has changed. Tess is now the Archmage. Oh. Uh, there is, there is, uh, just kind of an undefined, uh, how the relationship moves forward. You know, we never really know if the former Archmage, you know, that might, that just being a position of power, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of feeling it out and seeing determining how it's how things are going to go okay 
Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, well, you know, this is all very new to her as well, like super fresh. So um, even though she is the, in this obvious position of power, I think she still has, you know, you still sense that there are these almost childlike feelings that you guys Carl's also on. a little upset because he really wanted to be the Archmage. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> a little he wanted, jealousy. He wanted the staff. He little, there's a little bit of jealousy there. Um <laughs> Tess, Tess beat him to it, and that, okay. that definitely is a little upsetting. All right. All right. Well, um, so it should yeah, have you, been me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you three are kind of saddling up your mounts to take off from the Archmage's Tower, and Tess comes up to you and Vern, Carl, and she says, can I hitch a ride with you? Can you not just summon your own mount and ride alongside? Damn. Ouch. I don't. She's kind of taken aback for a minute, and she says, I'd rather save the energy. I don't know what's out there. This spell takes time. I think if you have something I could use, I'd much rather go with you. Feel free to ride Vern, and I just start casting my fine steed spell. Oh, shit. All right. Damn. Mm. Interesting. Cold wow. shoulder. Wow. Tug leans over to Durf and is just, that's going to be a yikes for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you uh, What are you summoning? And you're using a spell slot to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. Seconds. Um, okay. Clearly not immune we're, we're, to petty bullshit. That's right. That's right. We're doing this. Is, I'm assuming we're going by land. Are we going by land or are we flying? Did we... Have You're fine. That? You can summon Ooh. a. Uh, I don't actually know the spell. What can you read the spell to me if you've got it up? Up. Oh, I got a card over here. Holy shit! There's a lot of text on here. A uh, spirit that assumes the form of an unusually intelligent, strong, and loyal steed, creating a long-lasting bond. Appearing in an. Uh, the steed takes on the form. That you choose, such as a warhorse, a pony, a camel, an elk, or a mastiff. Your DM might allow other animals to be summoned as steeds. Uh, the steeds statistic of the chosen form, though it is a celestial fair fiend, blah blah. Okay, so here's what happens. You start to summon what are you what are you wanting to summon? Are you gonna let me make something up here? Yeah. I want to summon a frog with wings. Okay. Fucking Awesome. A flying, right. a fly, I want a flying <laughs> so, frog. So, you turn your back to Tess, and she, you know, she's a little hurt by this, and you start to summon this giant frog, and she sees what you're doing, um, and you don't see this, but you're not powerful enough to summon a flying frog, so you start to summon this frog, and you're getting a little frustrated because these wings won't pop out, <laughs> and behind you, Tess... Just very secretively uh, flicks her wrist with her wand, and big white wings burst from the frog's side. And uh, give me a perception check. Let's see if you even notice this. Please notice this. Fifteen. Fifteen. I'll do a stealth check for Tess. Uh, that's a fourteen. So you uh, you catch just barely catch um, her doing this out of the corner of your eye, and you know she helped you. Mm-hmm. I I pretend to not know that she helped me, and I'm like, I knew I should have been the Archmage. <laughs> Under your breath, yeah, to okay. myself. Ah, ah. What, what is what is the name for the face that I'm making right now? Because that's what Durf's doing. That's a yikes face. That's totally a yikes face. <laughs> You're showing all your teeth. Uh, so, what's the name of your frog? Flying frog? Croaker. That was quick. Okay, you hop on Croaker, the flying frog, and the four of you fly out from the arcane tower, leaving it behind. You take off into the night sky, Tess gripping tightly onto Vern's back, and you soar over the lake and cliffs. The partially ruined tower fades from your view, and before you lies a vast ocean. Tess takes the lead and guides you west, and after a few few hours, you begin to see the lamps of a small harbor town below, followed by acres and acres of a rich forest, still untouched by the Dread King's Reach. It's surreal to see this, to see such quiet landscape beneath you, when you know of the horrors that exist just on the other side of the continent. 
you begin to slow after a few hours and you make your descent just as the sun is beginning to rise behind you, casting long shadows across the trees below. From tall cliffs that surround an immense valley stretching as far as you can see north to south. The canopy is so thick with deep green and gray foliage that it seems almost like a bed of wool, making it impossible to see even the faintest sliver of earth below. And Tess calls out as Vern comes to a stop, hovering high above the trees. I can't see a thing! Do any of you see signs of a town down there? Carl, Carl like, mutters to himself, like, don't you have a detect life spell or something? Good lord. Oh. You're pretty That's far away. Is. She can't hear this. Yeah, yeah, roll for it. Well, Durf actually, I'm pretty sure Durf has like a a thing he could do to find settlements in a forest. That's basically the situation, right? Like, Yeah, you're looking for this city, Shade. You're looking for any sign of civilization, life. But uh, the canopy is so thick that you can't really see behind it. Also, to clarify, Croker can't fly. He just jumps really far and really high. But he's got majestic wings. <laughs> With wings. Okay. <laughs> Good okay. to know. So, so, like, from the Arcane Tower yeah, island he, he to like the le- coast. He, yeah. He can leap. That's from the beautiful. windows to the wall. To the walls, yes. <laughs> um, Durf? Well, <laughs> got okay. <something. laughs> cool. Um, Durf, will, Durf will use commune with nature. Which is uh, one of my new spells. Okay. Which is instantaneous. Uh, you briefly become one with nature and gain knowledge of the surrounding territory. In the outdoors, the spell gives you the knowledge gives you knowledge of the land within three miles of you. Um, you instantly gain knowledge of up to three facts of your choice about any of the following subjects. Um, so what I will choose are um, buildings. Prevalent mm-hmm. plants, minerals, animals, or peoples, and powerful celestials, fey, fiends, elementals, or undead. Okay, so buildings meaning like the physical structure? Yeah, like if there is a town or a hut okay. or something, I would detect that. I would gain knowledge of that. Gain and knowledge uh, of that. And you don't have to see it, you just sense it. Correct. I'm one with nature. That's I'm communing. Is this a like a this is a fourth level spell? This is one of your new ones? Fifth. Fifth. So this is one of your new ones. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, awesome. Okay. So you uh, you expend that spell slot and you kind of scan over the canopy. You, Rosa, and you just get a couple feet just above the trees and you kind of make this circle around and you can sense something down there. I'm going to say there there is some kind of, uh, there is some kind of I guess for lack of a better word, some shade to uh, what you what you are trying to pick up. There seems to be some kind of cloak, like some kind of magical barrier. But you do sense, I'll say you sense the square mile within the trees of where you believe unnatural structures might be. Um, okay. And give me, a, give me an investigation check, just a general investigation check. Um, 16. Okay, that's good enough. You, um, in this area, so, yeah, in this area, you see that close to the cliffs that you have just kind of passed over, it looks like some large boulders have, like, fallen down, fallen off, and slid down, knocking over a couple trees, and creating sort of like a natural path in the cliff's edge that leads down into the woods near where you sense this, this town. Okay. What about prevalent plants, minerals, animals, or people? Not so much that. Animals, yes. You know, normal forest creatures. Uh, You don't sense any sort of sentient life. Okay. So no powerful celestials, fey fiends, elementals, or undead? No. Okay. I say, guys, I don't think there's any powerful celestials, fey, fiends, elementals, or undead around here. (laughs) However, I think we should go check out over there. Um, I have a sense that there's something over there, Um, but there's also some some spooky going on here, just so you know. Hashtag Max Max Spook. (laughs) Max Spook. So, so, and then Durf heads over towards, I guess, the, the path that you pointed out. Okay. 
Are you all following? Tess is going after you, too. Yeah, of course. Tug falls. Carl drags behind. Okay. All right. That's fair. And um, as you descend towards this, your group, you realize that uh, the the opening that is the leading down there, you know, the canopy is so thick. There's this small opening leading down. You realize that this is going to be, it's going to slow you down a whole lot to keep your mounts with you. It's totally your choice if you want to, but to lead them down basically a cliff face into this thick wood, uh, it's going to be pretty difficult. Croker jumps down. He's going to just follow you around. How long does this uh, summon mount spell last? I guess I should have asked that. It doesn't say. (laughs) Oh, it says as an action, you can release the steed from its bond at any time. Right. So, okay. So you're good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he starts to uh, to hop down very slowly. The the most ideal animal <laughs> dynamically <laughs> for walking through thick underbrush, a giant frog yeah, with wings. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, uh, so I'm confused about what Carl did. When you say he went down, what does that mean? Are you riding him? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm you... jumping at me. Croker just jumps up. He's got very frogs have very powerful legs. You know this is a druid. So like sure. Carl, the the <laughs> the trees are so thick and so close together, only like a few feet apart, that a giant frog is not just going to be able to hop through the forest willy nilly. Like it's going to be slow going, kind of squeezing through the right trees. Well, I thought you said we were going down like a cliff down into some to that. Right, but I mean the trunks of the trees are still going to be extremely close together. It's a thick forest. Are you sa- are you trying to tell me that I need to dismiss Croker? I'm saying you can, or you could just say, okay, it's going to take me forever to go through this forest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a huge rush right now. You're not. <laughs> How okay? are you not? In it? Uh. <laughs> it's not like everybody we know just died. Uh, to be fair, everybody we did we know did not die. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean. Let's like a large percentage, though. A growing percentage. Really? What, what, how many? How many? Know. What percentage of people that we know died? A non-zero number. Is that not enough? Well, is that? Well, I mean, non-zero number of people have died throughout this whole campaign. How far back are we going? Because the the town that we grew up in, literally everyone we knew died. Really? What and about Dozer? Did Dozer die? It, uh, oh. Uh, oh. A lot of people we know died. Are we sure and they're a dead? Growing number. Are we sure they're dead? Dozer's alive. Functionally. Are we sure they can't be turned back like Dozer was? Didn't, uh, Why are we? I'm I'm just asking. I don't. I mean, we don't know. It's not like it's, Ezra ever told us. It's not like he told Tess, or did he tell you, Tess? Do we know? Oh, this is all in character. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. Um, <coughs> she says he didn't tell me any of that, Carl, and I don't know what's up your ass right now. Yeah, he didn't tell us anything, and now he died. And now we're just out here flapping in the wind. We got no idea really what we're doing. We know we got to find this sash. And then we have to find the seventh one. Tess, do you know what the seventh one is? I don't. The book doesn't go that far. Right. So we know what this one is. And then we have no idea what we're doing here. Wow, this is, hold this, on, hold this on, situation hold on. just got pretty unchill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can Can we make a point that... To be like, we haven't really known what's been going on this whole time. You are correct. Or at least I except, haven't known. I definitely haven't known. We all assumed that Ezra knew what was going on this whole time. Uh, I mean, look, there's a there's a series of books I read. You can't read. Called Harry called, called Harry Potter. <laughs> Canonically, tongue can't read. I, I, I caught it on audiobook. <laughs> and the Grand Wizard in that book. Dumbledore, he sent <laughs> the, the protagonist of the story, Harry Potter, to find what in the, it's called Horcruxes, which I won't explain, but they're essentially MacGuffins, and he didn't really tell him anything either, and he figured it out, and tons of successful stuff happened. He married somebody, didn't even know he liked girls for most of the series, but that panned out, so that's sweet. And he stopped a bad guy. So maybe we just need to pitch a little faith into whatever this is and just kind of keep moving forward. Not mean. Are, are you volunteering to sacrifice yourself when the time should come? Because uh, that's what Harry Potter did. I, I, 
I see you have also caught the audio book of, uh, of what we did. And if anybody in this group is on the verge of always sacrificing themselves, it's uh, Tug Mug Bar. So, I'm really enjoying this character development, this switch of motives between Tug and Carl from the beginning of this podcast where Tug was like, fuck this, I don't know what's happening. And Carl was just like, just listen to him, man. Derp, Derp is are. sort of standing over in the corner like, did Harry Potter die at the end of the book? Now he came <laughs> back like, like a, a golden steed. And they put Is a, that what happened? Yes, 100%. He died and came <laughs> back, yeah. He, uh, right. Technically, he didn't die. The, hor- the, hor- the part of Voldemort that was in him died. He was a horcrux. Oh, okay. True. But he didn't really sacrifice himself because he didn't He die. thought he was going to sacrifice himself. This has been You Meet in a Tavern, a recap and analysis <laughs> podcast of Harry Potter. Hey, at least we're well-versed, okay? That's something. <laughs> Anyways, uh, after all this, Carl just goes... Carl and Croker just kind of like go romping off the path in the forest, go the complete wrong direction, clearly, because it's not on the path. And okay. Croker, like, you see Croker, like, trying to squeeze betru- between trees, and then, like, just before they're out of eyesight, they kind of turn, so they go parallel with the path and just kind of follow it along. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So they kind of disappeared through the forest very slowly, and, uh, um, what's the word? I'm looking for methodically, clumsily, clumsily. Oh, definitely not methodically. <laughs> yeah, then. not methodically. They kind of disappear through the forest very clumsily and slowly. And the three of you are left there on your mounts at the top of the cliff. What do so, you want to do? I feel like a hippogriff could be deft in a forest situation. Mm-hmm. Can I do an animal handling check to see if I can? Yeah, head you know down what? Why don't you all her? four do that? Let's do that instead. Let's do all four animal handling checks. That's fine. If you all want to take your mounts, you're more than welcome to. 19 for Tug. Okay. Uh, 21. Do, wait, do we get advantage on this? Uh, sh- no. I'm going to say no because the thickness uh, of the forest um, cancels it out. Okay. Very reasonable. Carl? 16. Okay, Tessa's... Rolls of 15. So those are all pretty good. 15 and up. Uh, I'll say that you... Wait, what What did Durf get? The 21. 21. He's oh, got shit. like plus 1,000. I'll say that the four of you, despite the, the denseness of this forest, managed to work together to get your mounts through at a reasonable pace. It's still going to be slow, but as a reasonable, reasonable pace, you begin to trek through this forest. And the floor of the forest is about 30 or 40 feet down from the top of the cliff, like the canopy um, of, of this valley. And as you, as you get to the forest floor, the earth is thick with moss and leaves and small twisting roots that sprout with greenery. It reminds you a lot of the misty wood outside of Woodhaven, but the air here is covered in a warm, thin fog, which is kind of like that veil I was talking about, Durf. As you're down here on this level now, you can sense that that was, that was causing some sort of barrier so that you couldn't see exactly where this place was. Do I perceive it to be natural or it's like condensed water? It is. It's a little unnatural, a little unnatural, more like, yeah, condensed water. I mean, it feels like, you know, when it's so humid outside, you feel like you could just like wipe your hand and get wet, like you're swimming in air. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what it feels like. And the whole forest is eerily quiet. Um, You know, you sense a few sounds of, you know, normal, natural birds and chipmunks and whatnot but uh not so not as much as you would expect from such a a flourishing thick dense forest and tess speaks up as you all walk and she says this place feels strange keep your wits about you but we need to press forward there has to be signs of civilization somewhere around here and uh how are you uh how are you dealing with this search carl's just gonna uh Proceed, keep going, and making as much noise as possible. Okay. Like he's, telling, he's he's trying to get croaker. He's croakers like, you know, croaking, obviously, as loud as possible. <laughs> uh just trying to draw uh as much attention as possible. Alright. Do we hear that? Oh yeah. Okay. 
Are you guys searching together or splitting up? That uh, would Tug's be a better definitely question. with Durf. He doesn't want to okay. be anywhere near the lovesick boner that uh, Carl <laughs> has become. And I don't really think Tug inherently has trust in any archmage. So by default, Tug is just sticking with Durf. Durf is having a great time. Just Durf just loves the woods. He's looking at <laughs> he's looking at trees. It's spooky, but a good kind of spooky. Uh, he hopes, and um, just kind of looking around, walking around on his hippogriff, and you know, looking for a village. Okay, Having a great time and perfect. And Tess is pretty much keeping to herself now, a little bit further away from Carl, since of all this stuff is going on. And why don't you all roll uh, investigation or nature, your choice, or survival? Actually. Yeah, just pick. Investigation, survival, or nature, your choice. All three would kind of work in this situation. 18. Okay. 16. Um, Durf rolls an 11. Wow, okay. He's too enraptured by his surroundings. And to- Tess rolls a 10. All right, Carl, you um, happen to see this first. And what what uh, what skill did you use? Survival. Survival? Okay. Carl is kind of... You know, searching around for footprints, making noise, trying to get any sense of movement in the trees, people or otherwise, um, using his survival instincts. And as you kind of push through this large bush, Carl, you see before you and and your companions are a little spread out, um, not very far within probably range of a, a shout. But you see before you this abandoned village. And you see moss growing up, crumbled homes, old churches, places of business with signs that hang from rusty chains. You see tree roots that burst from the cobblestone streets as overgrown plants reach towards the canopy through broken windows. In the center of this town is an old clock tower whose hands has stopped at midnight. Tall, thick vines cover the outside, spiraling upwards from its base. And the entire place is shrouded by the canopy above. Giant trees that look like they arch inward from the outskirts, like they are shielding it from the outside world. everyone this is joe your dungeon master hope you're enjoying listening to episode 42 i'm really stoked about this arc and what uh what it has in store for these gentlemen and tess um so uh thanks for listening and uh this little mid-roll i just give some announcements and then thank our patrons i don't think i have any announcements christmas is coming up uh we're probably going to be a week late on the next episode just because of timing and you know spending time with family in the holidays and whatnot so uh just be prepared for that first one coming in maybe the first or second week of january um the next episode in this arc uh other than that i don't think uh many announcements to be had i'll probably think of one after i finish recording this but oh well I want to give a special, special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. These are members that donate to the show, whether it be $1, $20, doesn't matter. Um, thank you guys so much for your support. Those that donate $15 or more a month get a little special shout out here. Um, that would be Eleanor Fitchett, David Ashley Cole, Andre K, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, James J.C. Aklantz, Nick Sassy, Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, Jonathan Zeman, Michael Kenitzer, Chris Solberg, Jaeger, GM Binder, Holly Roxana, Chad Putnam, Ice Blue 220, Strive for Honor, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Nathan and Samantha Blue, and that's it. <laughs> so thank you guys so, so much for uh, donating to the show, supporting our show, helping us grow. Uh, it really means the world. And if you want to get on this list or if you want to donate just a dollar a month, if you've got it laying around, go on to patreon.com slash tavern. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, enjoy the rest of episode 42 and uh, have a have a Merry Christmas. Have a happy holidays, if you will. Um, whatever you celebrate, hope, uh, hope you have a great time at the end of the year just with family and friends. Um, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next year. All right. Peace out. So I'm at the, like the entrance of this town. Yep. Okay. Uh, first, before I 
contact any of my comrades. I want to cast Divine Sense. Okay. Just uh, see if I can glean any more information. Yeah. From that. And Divine Sense, you sense any evil or good, right? Uh, Shows up as like a sound of music or yeah, things like that. You hear kind of sounds of both almost. It, there are there is some good and some definitely some evil in this place, notably coming from the clock tower. You can sense is kind of the source of of where this sensory effect is happening for you. These smells and these sounds. All right. Once I guess once I register that, I, Tug, Durf, get <sighs> over here. Uh, Tug goes over. This way. All right. Yep. And Tess rushes over, and now the three of you see before you this same scene, this town, this overrun with nature town. There's something fishy going on with the clock tower. The rest of the town looks abandoned. We can go and kind of explore the town and see what's up, or we should maybe... What Do you want to do the clock tower first? What What do you think we should do, Tess? Yeah, Tess says, it can't be this easy. It's just sitting here right in front of us. You think the sash is somewhere? We we have to look for it. Yeah, then we better start looking for it. <laughs> All right, we should we split up? Shotgun, not with Tess Probably or Carl. Not. From... <laughs> so from the entrance, can we do we see any like statues or anything? Or I guess a per, can I just roll a perception to look for like what Lucio maybe looks like? Or do we have that description? Okay, um, you don't have the description of what Lucio looks like. Uh, roll if you're trying to just search the town, search the town out for like interesting artifacts like statues or whatever. Why don't you all just roll perception checks or investigation checks? Damn, I'm not rolling hot today. Uh, but my perception is really good. So 17. Wait, so it's our choice per- perception or investigation. Yep. Uh, Depending on how deep you're looking. Yep. Seven. 11. Okay. Um, so you guys are exploring the town, uh, Carl and tug you, you don't find any statues. You find no statues. Um, you actually find like no signs of life whatsoever. There's no skeletons in this town. Um, Durf, you take that a step further. Well, there's four skeletons. There's four skeletons? We have skeletons. Uh, okay. <laughs> there's, all right. Cool. Anyway, there's no, uh, <laughs> void of skin skeletons, um, in this town. And you take this a step further, noticing this, and you notice that there's no evidence of foul play here or anything that could have been potentially valuable or useful that to find out what happened here. Um, it seems like it was simply just abandoned and left to age with time. And as all of you finish up exploring, you feel a small breeze pick up and hear a whisper in the wind, drawing your gaze towards the clock tower in the center of town. And Carl, you you know something was going on with that. Uh, but now all four of you kind of sense this as you get closer into the center of town. It whispers anything in particular or... Just kind of like a nondescript, you can't understand the words, just that you... It's not just wind, it sounds like a voice. And what happens next happens to all three of you, but what you see is completely different. Amidst the thin gray fog and the backdrop of this dense forest consuming the deserted town, you see a ghostly figure outlined in a pale golden light walk over along the edge of the clock tower base, and you feel instantly drawn to it by some sort of magnetic pull that tugs on your heartstrings. And uh, add a character. I want you to think about your characters and what, what they would desire more than anything in the world. Say, if if Woodhaven was never destroyed and you were living out, they were living out their normal life, what would be the driving force for them? What is what is something that they would just strive to obtain? What would bring them the most happiness, the most satisfaction? It could be a single word. It could be an object, an ideal. What do you think is just the driving force behind what your character wants out of life? 
life back in the day. Yeah, any yeah, if you if if nothing none of this ever happened in Woodhaven, what what would your character give anything up for? Durf is thinking about his him and his friends standing on the uh the ruins the crumbled ruins of uh Schmedley's refinery or what was it that I said he had like a refinery, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, the factory. We, we took it down. You know, the factory in the small and town and of Woodhaven. we're standing triumphant on the rubble. Okay. I like that. Tug sees himself winning the dart game from episode one. <laughs> uh, that is what he desires more than anything? No, I'm just kidding. Tug, Tug okay. pictures himself as the successful uh, proprietor of the Leaky Toad. Where the pu- the pub is full and everyone, including Durf and Carl, are in there gallivanting, having carefree times, and enjoying themselves. Okay. Carl sees himself standing in the midst of a swirling flame in the middle of a field. And being just incredible, feeling incredibly powerful. Okay, so take that um, scene, if you will, and tell me an adjective that describes that. One word that you would say encapsulates those moments for each of you. Uh, Joy. Okay. Triumph. Okay. Lust. Like a lust for power? Lust for power. Okay, so lust for power, triumph, and joy. So the three of you see this figure, and what you see is all different. And Carl, what you see is this powerful woman donning armor much like yours. Uh, Big arms, big legs, beautiful flowy hair. She's outlined in this golden light. She just appears to be the epitome uh the epitome of a powerful female figure tug what you see is a small man similar to you almost like a reflection of yourself just a companion someone you could go grab a beer with at any time someone who would drop anything from you for you someone who you would take a bullet for just uh signifies companionship and joy and living life to the fullest and Durf what you see is a magnificent natural creature a deer a buck a 15 point buck with powerful shoulders stands seven or eight feet tall off the ground Um, just a the beautiful picture of a natural beast that symbolizes the power of nature over the unnatural are we like compelled to drift towards it? Yeah, you definitely feel a, a magnetic pull towards it, um, physically and uh, emotionally and visually. As you now take a closer look and you see that, um, again, you all see different things, but each of you see that this creature is wearing a slightly more opaque golden silken sash uh carl the woman has it wrapped around her chest and back and tied nightly uh, nicely to her waist that where it flows to the ground almost like a cape um tug yours is wearing it more like a belt that's tied in the front with ribbons hanging down and derf yours is kind of uh it, the sash is kind of intertwined in its antlers, flowing down like a mane down its neck, uh, where it kind of floats by in the wind. And as you all are kind of transfixed on this this creature, this being that you see, it starts to float slowly away from the clock tower, and it look, peers over its shoulder and looks back at you, and then begins to disappear through the woods. And I want each of you to roll me a wisdom save. Fucking A. Nine. Nine for Tug. I haven't rolled above a ten this entire session. <laughs> uh, I nine. love hearing that. Nine? Yeah. I not I don't add proficiency, right? Uh you do if you're proficient in that safe. 
Oh shit! Then I roll a thirteen. Don't okay. they? Don't they also get the plus two for saves from? Yeah, our aura of protection. Okay, sure. Yeah, eleven, fifteen, and I got a sixteen, and you got a sixteen. Okay. Okay, so Durf passes, Carl passes, Tess passes. So Tug, Tug, you fail this wisdom save, and you feel immediately compelled to chase after this creature. Like everything else around you disappears from view, and your goal is to catch this thing, this ideal that means the world to you. So you race off, and the rest of you, you see Tug just race into the woods. And Tug, you follow it, um, but it always seems to be out of reach. It'll walk behind a slim tree and disappear on the other side, only to reappear amidst the fog a hundred feet further in. You desperately try to keep up as it leads you away from the town. At one point, you think you've lost it completely and you start to panic. You call out with desperation, falling to your knees, and you whip your head around and see it once again, scrambling to your feet and rushing through the trees, ignoring the sharp branches that whip across your face. When finally, the figure stops fleeing. And this young man turns back to you within a covered clearing. It's crouching down and sitting along the mossy stone of an old, deep well. And it turns back to you with a sly smile before it vanishes. And this overwhelming pull that you feel is ripped away. And the rest of you just see Tug run off into the woods. You can see him in the distance as he's running, but um, you are standing there. You still feel a pull to chase the creature, but it's not overwhelming. Um, and you see him run off. Um, well, I guess Durf follows him. Okay. Tracks him. Cool. Looks at, looks at the tree branches. Yeah, I think Tess kind of races after him, too. He, he, he calls out, Tug, Tug, no, we need you. Should I, should I roll something to track him? No, you don't need anything. You can see him. You can see him in your sights way in the distance. Okay. Carl, are you chasing too? Yes, Carl is chasing too. Okay, yeah, you all chase after him into the woods. You carry your mounts as they are drug along um, at a little bit of a slow pace. Uh, because of them, you grab Boomsday too, and uh, you chase after him. And after 100 feet, you know, you're keeping up with him, keeping up with him. You see him stop, and you come into this clearing, and you just see him on his knees, uh, crouching over this well, just weeping. And Tug, you're, you're pulled out of this spell or whatever was holding you, and you just feel this extreme sadness, like the one thing in life that you wanted has just left this world. Hmm. Hey, bud. H- how you doing? Not so great. What, uh, you, you, you kind of ran off there. I, I don't. No. Okay. Um, you, you want to talk about it? <laughs> I'm not sure. And and Tess approaches now, and she puts a hand on your shoulder, Tug, and she says, "She says, what happened? Why did you run off? Did did you see that thing too? Did we all see it? What did you see? I saw. I saw a reflection of." myself and it kind of felt like I was chasing my what my life should have been instead of the what it is right now and then I ended up here and now you guys are here and I feel insane sadness that I can't really comprehend I saw something similar Tug I saw it doesn't matter what I saw What'd you see? I saw a big deer. (laughs) (laughs) Just breaking the silence. Uh, um, Okay, she she ignores your question, Carl, and she kind of leans forward, just peering into the well, um, trying to see what might have gone down there. And she says, did it go in here, Tug? Ish. It kind of... What did you see, Tess? I... Carl, I saw Felix. Okay, are you happy now? Sure. What was Felix doing? He was running into the forest, Carl. Excellent. What's your deal? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, you've been pissed at me ever since the tower. 
Are we really going to do this right now? Yes, we are. I should have been the Archmage, not you. <sighs> Me. You're part of the reason we're in this mess. What do you mean? Felix was your partner. You all were sent to the temple. You all didn't save Jill. You didn't know Felix was evil. And that is my fault? That is, I didn't- There's a lot of you in there. I didn't want this, Carl. I didn't want the Archmage's powers. I didn't want it. But I'm sure as hell more qualified than you are. Says who? Says the Archmage. He's dead. And she, she sits. She sits on the stone. She says, well, this is, this is not how this should go. Carl, the world needs you. They need, they need us. Us? Yes. Who's us? Carl, Tug, and Durf? Or Carl, Tug, Durf, and Tess? Ezra, Ezra picked us. Carl, Tug, Durf. We found five without you. What are you doing here right now? Without me? Were you here? I led you to those totems. I told you where they were. And in procuring those things, what did you do? Did you fight Karsis? N no. No? No, I didn't. What about, and how many of the others did you help? Carl, I'm here now, and by us, I mean a group of companions that can band together and not argue about nonsense like this when there's a world to be saved. Very well. Let's just get this one and move on. Fine. And uh, she turns back towards the well, and she peers down, kind of in a blank stare, just not, not looking at anything, just kind of seething there. And Carl bends over the well and goes, Felix, are you in there? <laughs> you can hear her snicker at that comment, like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and give me a perception check while you're looking down there. That would be a 20. Dirty. Not natural. Okay, dirty 20. All right. Um, Carl, as you, you peer into this well and you hear, you hear a series of sounds. You hear the soft strumming of a lute. You hear the high-pitched giggle of a small child. Whispers in the wind in a strange language. The sound of slow stream over river stones. And with a 20, I'll say you also see... Um, a small little glowing blue butterfly that's fluttering in the darkness about uh, maybe 50 feet down from where you are now. Carl jumps in the well. Okay. All right. Um, the three of you, do you see Carl just take a nosedive into this well? Um, and Tess immediately snaps out of whatever kind of funk she was in from that whole conversation and just instinctively like calls down into the well. Like, Carl, Carl, what happened? Why? What do we do? Uh, I guess Durf runs over and looks down the well. You don't see anything. You don't hear anything. Well, give me a perception check. Uh, 27. Holy shit. <laughs> um, you don't see Carl. You, you hear the same sounds that he heard. The childish giggle that he heard is actually a little bit higher pitched, a little bit more sinister and louder to you. And the, and the sounds were like a, a babbling brook. Yep, babbling brook, sound of a lute, uh, whispers in the wind. Child laughing, like spooky laughing child, or like uh, mirthful. Yes, you spooky. You hear it uh, just a little bit spookier than when Carl heard it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Like seven perception points spookier. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, there's like, well, I think. Definitely jumping down the well was the wrong call, but since he is down there, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys, Doug? How you doing, buddy? What do you What do you think? Well, there, um, pal, I just felt compared to sprint to a creepy well from this other thing that I watched called The Ring, and um, <laughs> then I saw effectively our dad of the group just argue with now the mom of the group and lay in a sick can <laughs> opener and jump down it. Um, so yeah, I really, I don't think I don't think any of us are at our best right now, except for me. I'm fine. Everybody <laughs> else is freaking out. <laughs> but, but but we're in this shit now, so uh, I don't know. 
should we go get Carl? Can't you just like cast a rope spell or something down there? Rope. I don't I don't know, dude. Mm. I can't. If, if me falling off of that is essentially like me falling from space. Like I'm going sure. to die. Dirt, dirt, I'm going dirt to die. Will, Cast a thorn whip cantrip and just dangle it down <laughs> like, Carl, okay. you down there, buddy? All right, about, about 50 feet down into this darkness as you're dangling this thorn whip and slowly lowering it, um, the bottom of it, the bottom of your thorn whip kind of hits a blank surface and starts to coil around itself like, like it's just hit uh, a dark platform. Well... Can I then subsequently produce a flame and toss it down there to see if I can see anything? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you produce a flame, you drop it down um, along where the thorn whip is. And as soon as it hits this, uh, this part where the thorn whip is kind of curled around itself, it flashes blue and burns up your thorn whip and all of it disappears. Do I, do I see anything else down there? No, no. Complete darkness. Oh, yikes. Major yikes. <laughs> Critical yikes. Wowzers. Carl really screwed the pooch on this one. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into a spider, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll turn, can, can, could a giant spider fit down, or should I go giant wolf spider? Yeah, you can just go giant spider. That's fine. Okay. Dur- Durf will turn into a giant spider. Okay. He What he does... Okay, is booty squirts the edge of the well? Yep. So that, like a real spider, when they dangle down in front of your face, when you're like uh, brushing your teeth or whatever, he's so he's lowering. (laughs) He's he's sort of repelling down the thing, but he's still booty squirted onto the thing, so he can get the hell out of there quick. Okay, I think Tess Tess is going to climb on your back as you do this. Well, okay. I didn't yeah, really. If you're cool with that, Tess is definitely going to try to climb onto your back because she's going after him too. Durf can't um, raise an eyebrow at her for getting on his back without asking because he doesn't have eyebrows currently, but he's thinking <laughs> that gesture. Okay, right. But he, right, right. But he, he just lowers, lowers on down. And uh, Tug, you're watching this happening? Tug will follow. I have slow fall, so maybe that'll help me not perish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, So, Durf, you you turn into a spider and you booty squirt on the edge and start to to creep down as Tess gets on your back. Um, And as you get within that uh, arbitrary 50-foot mark that I've so set in this episode... um, Tug, you jumped behind him, and you were floating down just behind him, and you watch as as Durf in spider form and Tess get sucked into this black void, like a, like a vacuum sucks up a tissue, just and um, they are gone, they disappear, and you are just floating in the center of this this wide well, um, unable to reach the walls, just kind of frantically waving your arms to and fro, uh, falling into this same space, and as soon as you hit that mark. Uh, The world goes black for a minute and you see all four of you falling to the ground. Um, Tug, you you hit a little bit softer, but the rest of you hit the ground with a thud and you are slow to get up as you take in the sights and the sounds around you. The forest before you is nothing like before. The trees glow with an iridescent coloring that outlines their branches with magical light, light blues and purples with flashes of yellows and green. Huge mushrooms grow up their trunks and bounce and sway as small woodland creatures bound away from the sudden movement of your entrance. Vines wrap in spirals up gigantic flowers that arch over your head, some with translucent leaves like foggy glass that shine in the moonlight. Moonlight. Just a minute ago, the sun was rising over Euphoros, but through the trees you see pieces of the giant white face in the sky, glowing brighter than you have ever seen it. As beautiful as this scene is, there is still a sense of darkness that looms all around you. Jagged branches break free of their glowing prisons while twisted roots stir across the floor, with blooming buds that open and close like blinking eyes. 
The flora and fauna seems to be alive and watching, weary of the intruders that have just fallen into their home. least our five dollar patrons people that go into patreon.com slash ymia tavern and donate five to fifteen dollars a month these people are metal minister andrew fontanot i think i hope i said that right favtastic john c davies michael schuler Riddlemaster Cuso, Ursula Bertea, Targat, William Cornish, Adair Bristow, Cody Irwin, Henry Strong, Lady Magesire, James Kendall, Shepard Tiberius, Joshua McKee, Anderson Martins, Jimmy the Penguin, Derek Norman, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, Team Eugene, Jacqueline Green, Kensworth Slater, Zabrija Emma Spring, Joshua Ald, Oyabun, Ryan Corbin, Torben Schwarz, JJ Holler, Chris Harrison, Tucker Barkley, Pat Manads, Sethem Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Thomas Sanders, as Matthew Watson, Kevin Kozlowski, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Dan McStockerson, Jason Rittman, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin, William Martin and his buddy Hugh Jars, Nick Vukulich, Vitaly Vasilyuk, Joe Quickle, and Adam Hoffling. Thank you guys so much for your donations to the show. If you want to get on this list, go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. You get a lot of great perks. Uh, you get to hear our recap podcast, a few more beers hosted by a couple uh, great friends of ours, Josh and Emma. Um, lots of other cool Patreon or Discord perks. So anyway, one, $1 a month, go think about, uh, think about donating, and um, we appreciate all those supporters already. Okay, bye.